All right now, if we're honest, reading the Bible consistently can be a challenge, but it's never too late to start, and we're in this together. This is the Join the Journey podcast. Friends, thanks for joining. Hannah Sobbs here with the Watermark Institute. I serve on the equipping team and specifically work with the Join the Journey podcast each and every week. And I'm pumped to jump into Ezra chapter one and two. But before we dive into Ezra, I wanted to personally invite you and remind you that the Join the Journey podcast is taking over the Watermark prayer service at 5.30 on December 3rd. It'll be a great opportunity for those of us who have been on this journey together to meet, connect, and pray for all that God has in store for 2024. So we hope to see you there at that prayer service. But today, we're going to be beginning to study the book of Ezra. This book shows us the faithfulness of God through many generations. And when we look at the book of Ezra, we cannot lose where we are at in the biblical narrative. So let's look back to have a better view of where we're going to be looking forward. The nation of Israel has split into two nations, Judah and Israel. Both nations have also been in exile, Israel by the Assyrians and Judah by the Babylonians. And in the time of exile, the Babylonians themselves have been taken over by the Persians. So this now makes Judah under Persian rule, but the hand of God is all over the seasons of Israel's history as they begin to move from exile to go back home. We see the hand of God in the meeting of our new friend, King Cyrus from Ezra chapter 1, verse 1. We learned through today's reading that King Cyrus allowed some of the Jewish people to return home after 70 years of exile. Additionally, not just to go home, which would have been kind enough, but Cyrus wanted to fund the building project for the rebuilding of the temple. What? Why on earth would some random ruler want Israel to return to their home and rebuild the temple? Let's read verse 2 of chapter 1. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he discharged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. King Cyrus acknowledges that the Lord is the one who gave him this authority, power, and gave him the credit for this building project. How does this make any sense? Let's do some background work here. Do y'all know our friend Daniel from the Bible? From the book of Daniel, you know, wise counselor to King Nebuchadnezzar, also thrown in a den of lions. While we didn't read about him in our reading plan this year, we'll link the podcast about exilic prophets in the description to learn more about him. But here's what you need to know. It's believed by some scholars that Daniel plays a huge role in this initiative by King Cyrus. It's recorded that Daniel did, in fact, serve under King Cyrus. Check out Daniel chapter 10, verse 1. But just because he served under King Cyrus doesn't mean that Cyrus's heart would be turned to help the people of Israel. Just because they're good buddies doesn't mean that you're going to do what he asks you to do. So what could be the connection here? Well, let's look back one more time to the book of Isaiah. 150 years before King Cyrus was the king of Persia, Isaiah, through the power of the Holy Spirit, prophesied this in Isaiah chapter 45, verse 1, and then jumping down to verses 4 through 6. This is what it says. Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, ding, 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 pay attention, whose right hand I have grasped to subdue nations before him and to loose the belts of the kings, to open doors before him that gates might not be closed. Jump down to verse four. For the sake of my servant Jacob and Israel, my chosen, I call you by name. I name you, though you do not know me. I am the Lord. There's no other. Besides me, there's no God. I equip you, though you don't know me. 
that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is no other. If you didn't catch it from the passage, let me say it plainly. Isaiah knew by name who would be king that would bring earthly freedom to the people of Israel. This is absurd. We are seeing the fulfillment of God's prophecies of not just judgment for the people of Israel, but also we are seeing the graciousness of God being true to his promises and bringing the nation of Israel back to their home. God fulfills his promises, not just of judgment, but also of faithfulness. Let me say that again. God fulfills his promises, not just of judgment, but also of faithfulness. Why does God want the nation of Israel to return? He is our covenant-keeping God. Remember what it says in verses 5 through 6. I am the Lord, and there is no other. This is the prophecy that we're seeing lived out in Ezra chapter 1. The involvement of God in this story is seen so clearly. We see God's involvement in the Holy Spirit giving the prophecy to Isaiah over 100 years before Cyrus's reign and in Cyrus's desire to help the people of Israel. Nothing about this is coincidence, but clearly God at work. Ezra 1.5 says, Everyone whose spirit God had stirred to go up to rebuild the house of the Lord that is in Jerusalem. God was at work bringing to mind these desires. But let's be honest. What I'm thinking when I read this passage sometimes can be something to this effect. I'm certainly no king, and I'm not being prophesied about, and I, I don't have a temple to be rebuilt, so how does this apply to my life today? Friend, here's my challenge and encouragement to you. God sees you. He sees you. Not only does he see you, but he is sovereign. This means that God sees everything at once and is working on a greater timeline, scale, size than we could ever imagine. And the plans that God has are higher and greater than we can imagine, even in the mess. Trouble, it's gonna always be a part of our story. John 16, tells us that in this world, you will have trouble. I don't know about you, but if I were Israel, the last person I would expect to set me free of my exile would be the king of the nation that put me in exile, the king of Persia, but that's who God chose to use. Although we see throughout history a record of leaders who are evil, bad, and sometimes just okay, we need to look to God as the one who is ultimately in charge. He's good, and although we cannot see all that he is at work doing, we can trust in his sovereign plan. Sometimes, I know myself, we try to guess how God will sovereignly be at work, and then we expect things of God that he never promised to us. Friend, we need to get our eyes up. Get your eyes up. In this passage, God choosing to use Cyrus shows his prophecy fulfilling and covenant-keeping nature with the people of Israel. He will be true on all his promises. And here, we got to see him use probably the person that you would least expect. If you need encouragement today, look at God's promises in his word. And spoiler alert, he hasn't failed on any one of them yet, and that means he's not going to fail you either. Friend, thanks for listening in today. And as always, I'm so glad we're all on this journey reading the Bible together. Hey, we want to thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Did you know that you can help support Join the Journey by rating and reviewing this podcast? And if you're willing, we'd love it if you subscribe because the more you download, the easier it will be for new friends to find the podcast.